What's up you awesome nerds? Welcome back to Pitch Slapped. My name is Kaylee Hillier and this is the Pitch Perfect podcast because I fell in love with Pitch Perfect ever since Benji did a magic trick with a hamster. Oh yes. Coming up in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be delving into the minor characters with the biggest impact. Also, some fan fiction highlights including a little telling from Pitch Perfect 3. We've got Becca in an alternative universe where she doesn't go to Barden, but she stays in Atlanta. And the cutest little ficlet where Becca admits that she's never dated anyone. But of course, before we get to all that, we have to do our actor news. Let's get into it. Taking a look at our acting news this week, well, Ben Platt is just well busy. He's doing so much stuff and I love it. I am all here for more Ben Platt stuff. And we were blessed this past week when he featured on the new Lady Gaga 10th anniversary album for Born This Way. She kind of did a re-release with a little bit of a twist. She got some artists to come on and kind of rework versions of songs from the album one of them being you and i covered by ben platt i'll tell you what like if you wanted a reminder of just how talented ben platt is he's so good i mean gosh there's a music video the single is out it's just all right there and it just sounds so so good also, Kelly Jackal celebrated her birthday. Big happy birthday to Kelly. And I love it whenever it's anybody's birthday. There's always like some great fan edits out there. And there were some really lovely ones for Kelly Jackal's birthday. Absolutely loving it. And I'm sure you've seen, obviously on places like Instagram, Brittany Snow has a new dog. We were all so heartbroken. I remember seeing so many people sort of commenting about how sad it was when Billy passed away. And she like shared a whole like epilogue of what she's been up to on Instagram. And that included a little new dog. I just want to wish them all the best with the new dog. She's called Charlie and very cute. So we're wishing Brittany all the best with uh, little Charlie. That's it for our action news this week. But in other news, exciting news, those of you who are really into fan fiction or creators on places like Tumblr, Big Chloe Week is kind of a big deal. People get really excited over Big Chloe Week and it is happening again this year, which means that we're going to be blessed with so many creations, stories, mood boards potentially artwork whatever people want to create they can get take part in Bakloa week and literally the prompts have just like come out in the last few days so watch this space Bakloa week is happening from July the 26th to August the 1st and there are seven prompts all the information is on the Bakloa week tumblr page but if you wanted to uh, take part and you don't have tumblr just so you are aware, July 26th is Cause I'm in Love with You, Damas. 27th, Bed Sharing or One Bed. 28th, Breakup and Makeup. July the 29th, Near Death Experience. July the 30th, You Don't Know Who I Am, Do You? July the 31st, Neighbours AU or Famous AU. And August the 1st, superpowers or wait for me and you can literally do anything around those prompts you can do fanfic art music social media posts whatever you want to take part i for one will totally be just digesting everything that comes out i absolutely love it and can't wait to see what happens right now though we're going to be delving into the minor characters with the biggest impact let's do it So recently on Twitter, Kay Cannon retweeted a tweet 
that just really sparked my imagination and I was like oh my word I need to just get people's opinions on this from like pitch perfect and just delve into it a lot deeper which is of course what I have done she retweeted a question posed by Nina Serafina who asked who is a character that has roughly 15 minutes or less in a film but had a huge impact on it I think we talked about this in the actor news section a few weeks back but I was so intrigued by the question and Kay Cannon did answer the question from her perspective it was Baloney Barb who was on screen for, she believes, about 29 seconds. Like, not even the full 15 minutes. Baloney Bob was only on for, like, we're looking at roughly 30 seconds. And she reckons that Baloney Barb had the biggest impact. And it just got me thinking, you know, there were so many characters in the Pitch Perfect universe, but which ones are the ones that had the biggest impact? Not only into how the movies went, but maybe the lives of the Bellas and what happened in their story. There's so many, like, things going on that we could, like, pick up here. So I posed the question out to you guys in the universe and I was not disappointed. You guys had so many good opinions on who you thought had the biggest impact. And so I just want to delve into some of these today and just take a look because there's such a variety of them. A lot of them we're going to be focusing on Pitch Perfect 1 because I think that's where it all started and without Pitch Perfect 1 we wouldn't have had the other movies potentially. So like I'm liking people's like logic here of like delving into especially the Pitch Perfect 1 plot and which characters maybe had such a big impact in the Bella's journey. Starting off with, of course, Baloney Barb. Kay Cannon has said it herself. Baloney Barb potentially had the biggest impact. I would never have picked Baloney Barb. Like, let's be fair, we've talked on the podcast before about Baloney Barb and maybe the impact that she had, especially during the activities fair. Like, she could have been a Bella. She tried th at least three times, probably, to be a Bella. So, like, there was a little bit of sort of bad blood there going on. It wasn't all happy. And whether or not Chloe and Aubrey were kind of involved in that, we don't know. But it is a very good point. We found out before that she does have a fairly good voice. Like, she's in the riff-off, singing. She sounds good. But of course, Baloney Barb never made it as a Bella because they said her boobs look like baloney. So, poor Baloney Barb. Sad, sad times. It turns out that Kay Cannon isn't the only one who believed that Baloney Barb had the biggest impact. Green Eyed Weirdo and Chubby Mamaki on Tumblr also agreed that it should be Baloney Barb. And Ice Dragon on Tumblr said. The reason it would be Baloney Barb is because she showed how different Chloe and Aubrey made the Bellas. She was pretty and everything, but the old Bellas still didn't let her in because of her boobs. They would have been covered in the Bellas uniform, so it should have been a non-issue. They still turned her away, though, because they're jerks. This is an interesting kind of thing to look at. In Pitch Perfect, they, like, reach out... They reach out to Baloney Barb thinking, you know what, this is at least one person we can bank on auditioning for the Bellas. And turns out that not even that one person they were hoping to audition is going to audition. And like, I don't blame Baloney Barb. Let's be fair. She's been burnt enough times probably auditioning for the Bellas to not get that part. Also, it just like the pain that it must have caused because... Clearly she knows the reason why she didn't get into the Bellas because her boobs look like baloney. So, like, I can understand why she's upset. And that is a very fair point. The fact that, you know what, she would have worn a uniform. So what is the issue here? It does show just how mean the old Bellas were and just how, like, strict they were in their kind of thought process. Anybody that was even slightly different, like Baloney Barb, with, with something that is a non-issue, wouldn't have shown up 
when they performed and yet it was too different even for them to consider and her turning down Chloe and Aubrey what that could have done to Chloe and Aubrey because obviously like Chloe thought there was a good chance that Baloney Bob was going to audition again and she didn't also this happens during the activities fair when they're like discussing what types of people they're going to look for to become Bellas and Aubrey's got this kind of list of of what she believes should be Bella material and Chloe kind of goes oh but why don't we just get good singers like they're venturing out this idea that maybe they break away from maybe Alice's or the Bella's traditions of what a Bella should look like and like even Chloe's considering you know what we should be thinking of people like Baloney Barb so maybe like thinking about it Baloney Barb could have had a very big impact into what happened in Pitch Perfect 1 with Chloe and Aubrey willing to venture away from the traditional Bella's look or the strict requirements of what it meant to be a Bella, it meant that they could look at a whole host of people that maybe would never have made it into the Barn and Bellas before. If you compare the two groups, the old Bellas to the new Bellas, totally different. I mean, CR, Fat Amy, even Ashley and Jessica, I don't know if they would have made it into the Bard and Bellas. Lily wouldn't have made it, I can't imagine. She's a bit qu- too quirky. Like, you would have lost... Most of the Bellas wouldn't have made it in. Most of them wouldn't. Maybe Flo, if she was, like, around at that time. Denise, no. I just... I can't picture them in the same way. I think that's one thing I love about the ba- the Bellas when Chloe and Aubrey formed the group, though, is the fact that they do represent so many people and they break away from that kind of like you've got to look a certain way like you suddenly feel like this is a group that could be very accepting of a whole host of different people like even Becca wouldn't have been someone to suit the old Bard and Bella look especially with the way she presented herself Aubrey then shows us like that she's potentially still struggling with this idea of breaking away from tradition because Becca is so different and although I think you could probably clean Becca up and make her look like a Bella, her sort of streetwise appearance would probably mean that she would have been turned away already just from the way she dressed and her makeup and stuff. And you can tell that Aubrey struggles with that. And maybe that is a bit of Aubrey struggling with just tearing away from the building blocks of what Alice and the old Bellas had done. And it does make me wonder, like, how would Alice and that have felt if they had watched the new Bellas perform? Because they would have looked so different. But I love it, because especially when they then get their own sound at the end of the movie, like, they properly own it. And having that variety in the Bellas, I think, really helps them out. It really just makes the group what it is. But would it have been the same if Baloney Barb hadn't turned them down at the activities fair. Maybe Aubrey needed that scare, knowing that even someone that had auditioned three times before and wanted to be Bella wasn't going to try this time. I can imagine that just putting fear in somebody like Aubrey Posen and thinking, you know what, I've got to do something here to make this work. And maybe it is a case of venturing away from the traditional Bella's look. And look what happened. Man, that was deep. So you know what? Thinking about it, Baloney Barb could have had a major impact on the Barn and Bellas. It's crazy. And that's just the first character. There are so many more that you guys have suggested. Please act surprised on Tumblr said, I want to say Stacy, but I think it's because Stacy is so much more important in my headcanons. Stacy Conrad an interesting one because she's a consistent character through the movies even though she's not that much in Pitch Perfect 3 now we don't really have a lot to go off of with regards to Please Act Surprise comment but it did make me think about Stacey Conrad and I think somebody like Stacey she's a character which has really grown outside of the films because it wasn't really a character that I thought about that much until I started delving into the fandom and fan fiction 
and things like that really fleshed out Stacey Conrad as a character and I kind of fell in love with Stacey through the fan fiction I think also it helps that there are now like ships with Stacey as like a part of the ship whether it's Strawberry, Becca and Stacey Stecker also seen like Stacey and Emily one so like Stacey's a character that especially in the fandom has grown a heck of a lot and while I think it's difficult to pick out maybe her effect in the movies because she does have some glorious one-liners in the movies let's be fair I do really enjoy when you delve into say a stecker fic or something that writers and creators will draw out things or little interactions from the movie and flesh it out as this whole thing that happened and so especially things like Pitch Perfect 1 and the riff-off scene and the interaction between Stacy and Aubrey really becomes like a key moment and like Aubrey being like a little bit overprotective maybe of Stacy. And she's like the type of character that I can imagine maybe was more influential outside of what you see in the film. But maybe you just get inklings of that as you watch it. So, for example, like, Stacey's one of the few Bellas that seem to make an impression on Trebles. Like, her statements at the audition and stuff, like, get people's attention. And out of all the Bellas, she's probably the one that fits the look of the traditional Bella, like... I think if Stacey had auditioned and Alice was still captain, there's probably a good chance. Just from the way she looks, she looks like a Bella. And the thing with Stacey Conrad, let's be fair, she makes an impression because she doesn't shy away. She is very upfront and she kind of says it as it is. And like, she's not afraid of just being herself. When she makes that comment on the stage at auditions, like, everybody reacts to it and she's just so unapologetically Stacey and one thing that I love is that we learn as we watch through the movies Pitch Perfect 2 she's graduating with honours like out of all the Bellas Stacey Conrad is one graduating with honours so we know Stacey is clever there's a lot going on with Stacey Conrad that you just don't know about because it's all in her head I have this headcanon with Stacey that she likes you to underestimate her and she just works from the background and so who knows maybe Stacey Conrad was actually a way more influential than we think we just haven't seen it from Facebook Christina suggested that one character for her that had a big impact was Kimmy Jin she says I still wonder whatever became of her Kimmy Jin is an interesting one very true. I do wonder what happened to Kimmy Jin. Let's be fair. She was fabulous in Pitch Perfect 1. So good. Just like the deadpan face and everything just happening with that. Amazing. So good. And it really does make you think, you know, where did Kimmy Jin end up? Because clearly <laughs> she didn't want to be Becca's roommate for longer than she needed to. I think between Kimmy Jin and Becca, they were probably mutually agreeing on that point. But when you think about Kimmy Jin and the impact she had, now she's not in like a load of scenes, but I think especially of her early scenes, obviously later on there's just like little quips and things about being Becca's roommate. But those early scenes with Becca in her dorm room and her dad could have played a big impact in what Becca then ends up, in what then happens with Becca Mitchell. Let's be fair, if we just take a look at it, the first scene, we've got Becca and Kimmy Jin in the room, Becca's having an argument with her dad. And I can understand poor Kimmy Jin just being like, what the heck is going on? I've just moved in and my roommate is arguing with their parents. So she bails by going to the activities fair, which then gives Becca the out to also leave. And so it does make you wonder, would Becca have gone to the activities fair if Kimmy Jin hadn't given her the idea? If Kimmy Jin hadn't gone to the activities fair, do you think Becca would have gone? 
I don't even know if Becca knew the activities fair was going on. Probably not. I can't imagine she read up anything about college before arriving at Barden because she didn't want to be there. So there's a real good chance. Like, my mind is blown right now just thinking about the fact that the whole movie may not have happened if Kimmy Jin hadn't gone to the activities fair. Yeah, that's a big one. That is a big one. And, like, even if we then take it to the next scene with Kimmy Jin in it, which, again, is Becca arguing with her dad, poor Kimmy Jin is working on her laptop, Becca's asleep on her bed and her dad comes in and they start having this conversation about Becca making more of an effort at Barden. Clearly you have a concerned dad there and it's all kind of going through, but Becca's dad then like asks her if she's made any friends, to which Becca's like, oh, Kimmy Jin is my friend. And Kimmy Jin just knocks it down. She's like, uh, heck no. Like... <laughs> Like, you're the worst roommate ever. There's not even a heartbeat between, like, Becca saying it and Kimmy Jin knocking it down. So it just leaves, like, no room for error. Kimmy Jin and Becca are not friends. Like, Kimmy Jin has made that very apparent. But what it does is it then kind of highlights to Becca's dad the fact that she is really alone and she doesn't have anybody and she hasn't made friends at Barden. Which then proceeds for him, as a concerned dad, to make the deal that he then makes because he wants Becca to get involved, he wants her to make friends. Clearly he wants her to stay at Barden and get a college degree. Like, he has motives here, but also he doesn't want Becca on his own and kind of to isolate herself. So there's like all of this going on, but in Kimmy Jin kind of definitely outlining that you know what I'm definitely not friends with you and you called my name out to grapple at this because you thought you could get away with it she's not going to let Becca slide with that like it's one of the reasons Becca's dad makes that deal and I don't know if there was really another motive that would have made Becca properly join the Bellas if she didn't have to I can't imagine that she would have so two big things there that Kimmy Jin had quite an important part in. So this may never have happened without Kimmy Jin. I am so glad that you brought this up, Christina, because I would never have said Kimmy Jin, but now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, oh my word. Kimmy Jin is actually like majorly important. Also on Facebook, we do have a Bacloe one that maybe had a big impact in the movie is Tom the shower boy because he stopped Becca and Chloe in the shower. I mean, I mean, we never know what could have happened in that scene if had it continued without Tom interrupting. I'm not going to say, like, you know, you can do with that what you will. We already had two episodes on the shower scene. However, I mean, you do make a good point because there was, like, some subtle flirting at the end of that scene between Becca and Chloe. Chloe was clearly so caught up in the whole singing in the shower and getting this girl to join the Bellas that she had forgotten about Tom. Poor Tom. Waiting there. Had to stop whatever he was doing with Chloe and uh, makes himself known with a sly smirk. But you never know, if Tom wasn't there, how would that conversation have gone? What would have happened next? Because it could have turned more flirty. It was kind of verging there at the end with Chloe being like, I'm confident about all this and Becca being like, you should be. Like, it was the beginnings of something that never took off. And you never know, maybe that was the turning point in Becca and Chloe's relationship. It could never take off further because they got stopped in the shower. That flirty moment, maybe it was never to be. So many thoughts. Here's one from Pitch Perfect 2. Sunshine and Rain Cloud on Tumblr said, Comma, sir. Not on the movie as a whole, but on Becca for sure. I had canon that she was the catalyst to Becca realising first her sexuality and later around Pitch Perfect 3 that what she feels for Chloe goes way beyond friendship. Can you imagine? Becca and Pitch Perfect 2 to Commissar. Major gay energy going on there. She even says that she's sexually confused. So like, Commissar did have a big impact on Becca Mitchell whether you like it or not. And I do love this headcanon that, like, maybe this could have been the thing that then makes Becca realise or, like, question, you know what, maybe I'm not 100% straight. 
It all works. I mean, like, they put it in the movie. I mean, if Chloe wasn't enough, they had to to throw in Commissar and Pitch Perfect 2 just to be like, yeah. So I think we can't deny that Commissar had a big impact on Becca Mitchell. Also, of course, she was the kind of big villain of Pitch Perfect 2. And we needed the good villain to just motivate the Bellas. So Pitch Perfect 2 probably wouldn't have been the same if Commissar hadn't kind of popped up there being as horrible as they were. Like, it wasn't just the Bellas kind of staking out the competition and seeing what they were like. They were genuinely horrible to the Bellas. So it made the Bellas want to beat them. You wanted the Bellas to beat them too. So many good thoughts. Another one from Pitch Perfect 2. Just a nerd said, Miss Junk. First of all, she was responsible for Emily and encouraging her to join and stick with the Bellas. And she got a lot of the past Bellas to come for the world's performance. This is very true. I think in terms of Pitch Perfect 2, Miss Junk is a is a good one. Like, I didn't even think about, like, the influence that Miss Junk would have had in Pitch Perfect 2. And she's, like, Bella's alumni. And we only see her in a very few choice scenes leading up to the end. And obviously she has that phone call as well with Becca... Like, it's all just, like, right there. And you're right. She was very instrumental in getting a number of the past Bellas to Worlds and getting that performance together. It would not have had the same impact without the past Bellas there. And then if we just look at Emily, like, her excitement and just awe of the Bard and Bellas all stems from the fact that she is a legacy. And her mum has talked about and loved the Bellas and her time as a Bard and Bella, and that impression has, has stuck with Emily Junk, so that Emily could be prepared when she went to Barden and joined the Bellas. Like, it was a whole lead-up to this point, and of course Emily would then go on to be captain. So the influence that Miss Junk would have had is a big impact. And like, even when Emily brings up who her mum is, Chloe knows, because apparently she brought the, uh, the, the synchronised booty shake... Like, Chloe knows who Miss Junk is, and she's pretty much in awe of it, so it sets Emily up very well, and I'm sure that they probably respect Miss Junk, and the fact that they could call her to get the Bellas, it's all just, it all works out so well in Pitch Perfect 2. Another one from Pitch Perfect 1, Shortstack Posen said, okay, this is going to sound weird, but hear me out, that high school kid from the footnotes... That moment taught the Bellas not only that they had to work together to win, but also that they couldn't take their opportunity for granted. The second chance they got was a huge catalyst for their future because they realised the old tactics would never work. You've really thought about this. I love it. Because this is a character that's not even as big as Kimmy Jin. In terms of, I would have said, people from the movie. And yet they did have a big impact I mean, the footnotes were great in Pitch Perfect 1. Their song, fantastic, and that kid sings amazing. I can understand why the Bellas didn't advance, but they cheated, and it was because of that high school kid. And I love how you outlined the fact that it wasn't just the kid and what he did or what the footnotes did, it was what that taught the Bellas. I think you're very right. Like, if the Bellas had gotten through to the final or scraped by, I don't know if Aubrey would have changed it. Well, she wouldn't have changed the set list, let's be fair. Even the way that Pitch Perfect went, Aubrey seemed fairly adamant that the reason they didn't get through was because of Becca and her impromptu mashup. So there's a lot of things playing out here, but because they didn't advance, it always leaves that question open, especially to Aubrey or Chloe or whatever, the fact that their tactics weren't working. Even with Becca's mashup during that performance, like, they were scraping by anyway. Even in the regional performance, they just scraped through from the soccer palace. So there will always be this question of, like, was it good enough? And luckily for us, they didn't stick with the old tactics. Especially when you've got two juggernauts like the Footnotes and the Troublemakers doing these big poppy performances, getting the crowd all riled up. 
at some point you're gonna have to stop and be like you know what we're not doing that and there's a reason why we keep losing so i also love the fact that you mentioned that they had to learn to work together like i feel like that's what happened in pitch perfect one when they all stop fighting and they kind of sit around and bellas have things to offer and add to make this work whether it's lily's beatboxing chloe and her bass notes becca and her mixes like aubrey keeping it tight and together and making sure that it's all ready for the final performance like all the bellas had something to add but they had to learn that they had to work together it couldn't have just been a solo effort which it kind of was verging into with aubrey so there's like there's so many lessons that they learnt. Oh. All from that kid in the footnotes. Which leads me to another great point by ridiculously over obsessed, who said for them, the minor character that had the biggest impact was Benji. He's such a minor character tragedy, but he's the reason that the whole pitch perfect one came together. Without that sweet boy spotting the tote bag and alerting John and Gail to the cheating that was going on, the Bellas wouldn't have made the final. Becca would never have rejoined them. Aubrey would never have had her redemption and learnt that delegating is not the worst thing in the world. The world of acapella wouldn't have been renovated by Becca and her mashups and obviously we wouldn't have had two more movies of them because what would the plot have been? Such a good point. Seriously, Pitch Perfect 1 would have stopped at them losing the end. Nothing else happens. Without that footnote boy being disqualified, they wouldn't have made the final. I love the fact that you outlined in your explanation that all the things that would not have happened if Benji hadn't spotted the tote bag. Like, Benji played such a key role. I think you forget when I like, first watched Pitch Perfect because you get so into the Bellas and the big performance. It's all coming out. But you have to fall in love with Benji. I mean, he's so sweet through the movie. He eventually becomes a trouble, which is a whole thing in itself. But he doesn't hate the Bellas. In fact, I think he just genuinely loves Bard and Acapella. Unlike the other trebles, he has a good relationship with the Bellas, even though he's like a treble super fan. And I love the fact that although he didn't get into the trebles, he still found ways to participate and get involved with the acapella scene. We see him during the semi-finals being on the backstage crew. So he's clearly wanting to be involved. He could have really been put off by the whole scene and not getting in. But it was him seeing that tote bag and alerting the judges that meant that the Bellas had a chance. It makes me terrified to think of all the things that wouldn't have happened if Benji hadn't done what he had done. Becca would never have rejoined them. Can you imagine, like, the ending of Pitch Perfect? Becca leaves. Not only she left the Bellas, she left Chloe. She's distraught by what happened. She shouted at Jesse, like... All this stuff happens and she would never have had that urge to rejoin them. She would have just lost something. You saw the pain that she went through in losing that. And without the Bellas having that opportunity to try again, I don't know if they would have learnt their lesson. Let's be fair, like, I don't know if she completely knew the reasons why the Bellas were back in. She just had a text from Chloe saying that they were back in, as far as I understand. So, like, I don't know what her thought process would have been going back to Aubrey. If they hadn't had advanced, Chloe would have had no reason to text Becca. Would Becca have gone back and apologised? Would Aubrey even think about entertaining a conversation with Becca after what had happened? And then, yeah, let's take a look at Aubrey... She was having a hard time accepting that they had to change even when they got through. But I think the cracks were there that it got to the point where she couldn't deny it. Whereas if that hadn't have happened, she probably wouldn't have had to have faced maybe some of her decisions that led to them not advancing as well. So like, Aubrey maybe never would have learned any of that and she would have lost this sisterhood that became the Bellas because it wasn't really there. It hadn't really built up yet until they kind of all came together at the end. Benji has such a key role. Like, oh my word. 
it's all just coming together. Daniel on Facebook says Becca's dad, aka the Acker Professor. I mean, what do we say about Becca's dad? I've already we've already done like podcast episodes on Becca and her dad's conversations at Barden. He is so influential. Like the only reason Becca goes to Barden in the first place is because her dad makes her go. We would not have had a movie at all. Like we wouldn't even have had Becca coming in in the taxi if her dad hadn't made her. And then that push and pull between Becca and her dad throughout the movie shapes so much. First of all, obviously Becca going to Barden, but then obviously the deal that is made to actually not only get her to go, but to participate. Like she had to get involved. I think he also seems to go through his own kind of little learning curve with Becca. I think very early on realizes he can't just make her go to college because she's not doing it. Like she's sleeping. So recognizing that, okay, maybe forcing her to go wasn't the best option. He can see her want to do music and to go to LA that he even is willing to make that deal. And his tactic worked, like, she did get involved and make friends and, like, it all turned out well, but it wouldn't have happened if Becca's dad hadn't pushed her to do so. So, you know, Becca's life could have gone way different if her dad wasn't there, for good or for bad. But there's no denying that Becca's dad had a big role to play another dad that a number of people have outlined to me is Aubrey Posen's dad which isn't even featured in the movie we don't see him in Pitch Perfect 1 it's not until the like the end credits of Pitch Perfect 3 that we get to meet Aubrey Posen's dad and yet his effect in the movie is quite astonishing Trixie Ugut, but Chloe Daly and Aubrey Posen Esquire all said Aubrey's dad was the minor character that had the big impact and he's not even like in the whole thing. Aubrey's Posen Esquire goes on to say both Dr Mitchell and General Posen both of them have incredibly big impacts on their daughters which shape all three movies and have very little screen time. The movies don't happen without them and the relationship with their kids. Like, we've already spoken about Dr. Mitchell, but let's just talk about General Posen. We can take this right back to the very beginning of Pitch Perfect 1 and the Bella's, like, first scenes because we get Aubrey confronted with Alice and Aubrey quotes her dad. Like, right at that moment, at the very beginning, we know how Aubrey feels about her dad and how she looks up to him and takes his advice. Maybe slightly misguided advice, <laughs> but Aubrey takes it to heart. Like she really does. So watching Aubrey and knowing how she feels about failure, I mean, it breaks your heart when Pukegate happens, but the pressure that Aubrey has put under herself, and we don't know the pressure that General Posen, whether he had put pressure on her, or whether she had grown up with these phrases and obviously a very disciplined father in the army, that that had an effect on her view of things and maybe added to her stress. Like, we have no idea, but there's no denying that the pressure that had come from General Posen in one way or another affected Aubrey. Pukegate happens because of it. The way Aubrey acts in Pitch Perfect 1, wanting everything to be perfect, and kind of trying to rule the Bellas with this iron hand. She was so strict, she wanted to keep traditions, like everything to just keep it all together and keep things perfect and to keep things right. All this pressure that Aubrey puts on herself is because of General Posen. So there's no denying that General Posen has a big impact in how the movies go. Blows your mind with all of these characters that make such a big impact and the last one that we do need to focus on, because it's one that I thought of as well when I was thinking of this question, was Alice. Who the heck is Alice? Come on. For those below, said Alice. On Twitter, Bears fan Jordan said Alice, while she wasn't completely responsible for Aubrey's authoritative behaviour, 
Her callousness and obvious disappointment was one reason Aubrey was determined to prove herself the following year. And a sweet melody trickling on Tumblr said, Alice, she screwed Aubrey up in terms of keeping tradition with the Bellas. She made Chloe self-conscious and easy to be stepped on by the captain. She kind of turned the leaders of Pitch Perfect One, Bellas, into insecure, confused little leaders who needed to be saved, enter Becca, and thus giving Pitch Perfect a storyline. Wow, there's a lot to unpack here with Alice, especially because she is literally only in that beginning scene, and that's it. That's all we get from Alice. And yet her effect is astonishing. I think it is very true. I don't know if Chloe and Aubrey would have been the leaders that they became if it wasn't for Alice. Obviously, there's a lot of trauma that came with Pukegate, if we just take that scene, she rips into both of them. First of all, she sort of says that she can't believe that they're going to be the captains. So even at that point, we know that Chloe and Aubrey are going to be the next captains of the Bard and Bellas. And like, Alice is genuinely not nice to them. Like, she's really horrible. And also, like, knowing that you're going to be taking on this big responsibility, this this big legacy that has been created with the Bard and Bellas, that's pressure in itself. But knowing that the previous leader doesn't have confidence in you, that's so sad. And, like, I can't imagine then, knowing how Alice was treating them, that she would have helped them or even passed the baton in any nice way at all. I can't imagine that she helped them out or did anything would Aubrey and Chloe have had taking on the captaincy of the Bellas? I can imagine they've had to do a lot of that themselves. And I can appreciate Aubrey then trying to be super like disciplined and focused with it because she's really had to. And then if we just take like what happens, what she says to them, Aubrey's adoration for her father and wanting to use that as a way of kind of like, you know what, I'm in this, I'm focused, I've got to do this. And Alice just knocks it down. She's knocking Aubrey down just before she's going to go on and perform. And surely Alice should have known that Aubrey has this kind of stress vomiting thing going on. Like, why would you do that to someone who clearly suffers with nerves? Why? So she teared Aubrey down. And I dread to think what that conversation would have been after Pukegate. Like when they went off stage, what Alice would have said. The whole thought breaks my heart a little bit. And then Chloe, Chloe Beale. I mean, how anybody can hate Chloe, I don't know, but Alice does a very good job of it. Clearly she doesn't have a lot to take out of Chloe because Chloe genuinely seems like a nice person. She's the type of person that you would struggle to find anything to kind of rip into her for. But Alice finds that anyway in saying that her breath smells like egg all the time. And it's interesting, like, you then get Chloe, like, trying to just test her breath very subtly. Like, clearly it's had an effect on her. Alice obviously kind of rules the Bellas with a very sort of focused, I suppose, way. And I don't know, like, it does make you wonder what the other Bellas in the group would have reacted. How did they feel about it? But nobody stands up for Chloe and Aubrey at that moment. It's so sad. And to think that they then take on the captaincy after they've probably just not had a good time of it. I can't imagine being a Bella with Alice was a lot of fun, especially for Chloe and Aubrey. And knowing the disdain that Alice has for them, it just makes you wonder. They still genuinely love it because they're there and they're going to hold on to it. So... Even if Alice was unbearable, there was something about being a better that they still love. But the effect that Alice would have had on both Chloe and Aubrey, then becoming captains, like, she's the leader that they know that they would have based their experience off of to become captains themselves. And it does make you wonder, like, this whole kind of steeping in tradition and everything that came, did that come from Alice? And how difficult it was, not only for Aubrey, but I think also for Chloe to step away from some of that, even as early on as the activities fair, when they're discussing who they could have as a Bella, 
that would look like a traditional Bella. Like they're having those conversations even then about is it okay for us to step away from tradition? I think there is no denying that Alice has a very big impact in what happens in Pitch Perfect 1 because without this whole focus on tradition and without the pressure that then ends up on Aubrey Poe's shoulders, I don't know if it would have gone the same way. It really makes you think though, I mean we've had so many good suggestions of characters from Pitch Perfect that had a big impact in the movies. I'm loving it, I mean from Baloney Barb to Alice to Dr. Mitchell and General Posen, Commissar, Kimmy Jin and Tom. Like, there's so many out there and there are so many more. But I absolutely love your suggestions. Thank you so much for sending them in. And my word, it does really make you think and wonder how differently Pitch Perfect would have gone without these minor characters. On that note, I think it's time we delve into some fan fiction. <coughs> So delving into our fan fiction highlights for this week. Starting off, I have got Should Have Kissed You Then by Space Gay Danvers. This is available on AO3 and the summary says Becca realises why her unconscious annoyance with Chicago Welp is a thing. She just jumped off a yacht in a blaze of fire so she considers that it might be time to get some things off her chest. As you can imagine, this is set in and around Pitch Perfect 3, literally just after the yacht scene. And I always love fix like this, where you kind of get a different aspect of one of the films. It takes like a section and just kind of delves into it. And this is no exception. And I really love the fact that we had this whole kind of like thought process going on with Becca because of what has happened at the yacht. Like I said with the fic last week, we forget sometimes that the yacht experience is like crazy and a little bit traumatic. I mean, Pitch Perfect is crazy anyway, but by Pitch Perfect 3, I mean, nobody expected them to get kidnapped on a yacht and for the yacht to blow up and everything else that happens. You can appreciate after having an experience like that, that maybe it might just kind of make you assess life a little bit. I mean, you've had a near-death experience in a way. You know, they were literally kidnapped, threatened to be killed on a yacht. So I can appreciate that, you know, Becca's just, maybe she's just got a lot on her mind. Especially about sort of life and chances and how you feel about things and have you missed the moment. Like, there's so many things going on there. And I loved how this fic kind of really looks into that and breaks it down. Because I think... If there was ever a moment that was going to make you want to kind of live life to the fullest and not let moments pass you by, it's going to be a near-death experience. So we have Becca kind of after everything that's happened, really assessing where she's at. And of course, that does make her kind of assess her feelings for Chloe. And I love how she just kind of comes to this realisation with everything that's happened. And obviously Chicago's there. And it was a really interesting take, kind of like, looking at Chicago because often he's played as a little bit of a villain or something but like I loved how Becca just kind of observes some of it and reacts to what's happening sometimes to her detriment because then she makes up her own mind or like thinks she knows what's happening when she really doesn't but you get this kind of a whole introspective look and as you can imagine it kind of makes Becca close herself off a little bit it gets a little bit sad in places and it's just such an interesting kind of like one shot into this moment with everything that happens, really kind of posing those big questions of, of how would you move forward now? What's going to happen? Especially from Becca's side when she already knows some big life changes that's potentially going to happen because of what's going on with DJ Khaled and her getting picked. Although the Buzz don't know that yet and we don't know whether Becca was going to choose at that point just adding the boat incident on top of that like you can appreciate that her head is probably spinning and of course irrespective of how much becca's just kind of going down a mental hole and everything is going on in her head chloe beale is going to be seeking her out i mean best friend you you just know what was going to happen and it's just so sweet how both of them 
are overcoming what happened on the boat and how that makes them react and what they do and also just like that moment the whole after the boat scene how it could have led so differently and this fic really shows a really great alternative to what could have been and what i also really liked there's kind of this point in the story where it talks about missed chances or potentially like there being chances that you never take becca kind of has this moment where she just stops and she's like wait were there chances or has this happened to me before and kind of looking back and realizing sometimes your own fear holds you back and you're too afraid and how scary that is that you got so close to losing it because you were too afraid to take it but it was there for the taking and it's just like oh my word life lessons here we go loved it the next fic for this week is called we all collide in the rising tide by intersects the summary says there is a glare aimed at her YouTube homepage because recommendations for acapella compilations keep coming up. She only watched a handful of videos that one time, okay? Or the pitch perfect one AU that literally nobody asked for, Becca doesn't go to Barden, produces the Bellas, or Alice's album, and meets Chloe. So this is available on AO3. Can I just say that this was just such a fun retake of Pitch Perfect 1 and I say that just for the fact that it follows kind of the storyline of Pitch Perfect 1 I mean all the pieces are there but with this great twist where Becca doesn't go to Barden and there's this great quirkiness to the fic I love the little details that the author has put in that help tell the story one of the big parts that is obviously explaining why Becca doesn't go to LA but she's still in Barden and it kind of goes along with, okay, she didn't go to Barden University, but she still had to make a deal with her dad. So she's ending up working, but she's interning at a record label. There's like a little connection with the sort of whole interning of Pitch Perfect 2, but it's happening during Chloe and Aubrey's kind of senior year. And I love the fact that like even the authors put in like the written contract between Becca and her dad and what that means. And just all these little things all these little details that just made this so much more enjoyable to read whether it was the little contracts or all the ways in which they interwoven and referenced pitch perfect one obviously with these slight twists because becca wasn't the bella but it all just works and it works so well and it was so enjoyable especially because it does center around becca as well which i think really helped the story along because you know the storyline of Pitch Perfect 1 I've seen it enough times but because Becca doesn't go to Barden you're not getting all of that kind of focus so she's really seeing it from an outsider's perspective which is what you're getting and so you really get the kind of condensed version of the Pitch Perfect 1 storyline which allows for you to fully delve into Becca's life and what she's up to and like very early on in the fic you kind of get that introduction where Alice comes in with the Bellas and they're recording their set list. Obviously we would expect Alice to be horrible. It felt like they really got Alice on point and she was awful. Not just to the Bellas but to Becca as well because obviously Becca's working at this record label but Alice still thinks, outside of acapella, that she's she's got the credibility. You're there going, Alice, you're like a college acapella group. Calm down. She treats Becca horribly. And you're like, dude, this could go so much better for you if you just let Becca do her job. And so you've got Alice running around doing her thing and just being a real pain for everybody. And then there's Chloe... And I kind of really liked the fact that you you got to see Chloe a little bit from being a younger Bella under Alice's leadership and kind of the fact that she still is really sweet and just nice outside of the fact that Alice is horrible. Like, <laughs> Alice is just terrible. And you get this really sweet meet-cute between Becca and Chloe and that kind of sets the scene and what's really interesting is the fact that you could have had them get together really early on in the fic but as per Becca and Chloe that isn't the case and they try to fall into this awkward will they won't they friendship which 
just felt like it mirrored Pitch Perfect so well because of course that is kind of what happens to Becca and Chloe at Barden anyway so like even in this alternative universe that was still going to happen no matter if they became friends like (laughs) you're still going to get the like is this something more no maybe I don't know you still have to put up with the mutual pining okay it's still there (laughs) but you do get this whole sense through the fic of like LA is still lingering there in the back for Becca but how Chloe Beale's influence can be felt even in a story like this Becca doesn't have acapella or the Bellas as something to hold on to like what is keeping her there and how Chloe kind of weaves into that story and it really gets Becca to kind of stop at points and really consider what's important to her and I loved how that kind of wove into everything that even without Becca knowing what the reason was that maybe there were reasons that she stayed more than what she originally thought her kind of working through that and coming to those realizations were was a lot of fun to come to and the final story this week is called the good stuff by Heldaz wolf on ao3 the summary says if you want me to list the fun parts of dating someone chloe giggles i don't think you need me to tell you that well for the sake of argument let's say i do a ficlet in which becca admits she's never dated anyone and chloe has some thoughts this is a really cute short ficlet. I just kind of fell in love with the whole moment of this ficlet. I was like, I've got to, I've got to talk about it. It's so good because it's such a short moment, and it's just kind of like almost a snapshot of a little scene between Becca and Chloe. You know, I am all here for them, just like chilling, getting up to antics, and I will always read it. I mean, I love it. It's great. And this is like just taking one of those, but like just taking a conversation or a moment out of that as well, being pleasantly surprised by what you found. Because like all of these little domestic moments, whether it's Beck and Chloe in the Barden house or chilling in the dorm room or whatever, maybe they're studying, watching The Bachelor, things like that, how this can lead to so many things and how like it's such a normal thing to do. And I think that's why I love it so much is like, it's something that you could be doing with a friend or with a partner and like you could totally imagine this happening it's so relatable and that's exactly what Becca and Chloe are doing they're sitting there watching The Bachelor Becca's being her snarky self but just how something from a TV show or something sparks a conversation and this definitely does for Becca and Chloe but maybe a conversation that they're took a different route than what they originally thought it would and that's what I loved about this kind of small ficla although it's quite short you kind of get this kind of little roller coaster of feelings from kind of light banter to getting more serious to kind of what happens at the end and, and how it all transpires so you kind of go through this whole journey and get to witness these characters going through these emotions quite quickly because it's not a long conversation like you can totally imagine it playing out and just being like oh my word how would you react in that moment (laughs) i think also just like being something that's very relatable i'm not saying that like there's many people have never dated anyone but when you feel like the odd one out it can be quite traumatizing or like worrying especially depending on who you're with and i loved how they kind of made chloe quite real like the news surprised her and she was kind of trying to understand if this was serious or not i like the fact that like you can always kind of trust that chloe's still going to be the understanding one even when she maybe doesn't quite understand or it's a little bit outlandish and how like that just really makes this kind of safe trusting environment between the two of them that just makes you fall in love with their friendship and can i just say like i i totally relate to becca in this story the horror when like friends are talking about dating and you're like yeah (laughs) that's nice like things like that when you're just like mortified to say but you you know it's cammed up in conversation it happens like more often than you care to admit who better than chloe beale to open up to because out of everybody i think chloe's the one that would give you the safest reaction and you could then feel safe in that environment it's exactly what happens and I love the fact that Chloe's kind of first thought after kind of digesting the information is the fact that 
she needed to make sure that Becca felt okay about it. And you're just like, oh, I love it. It's so nice. It's so fluffy. Yeah, it just carries on like that. It's so good. And I was just like, after reading it, just being like, I need more of these like little Bukhloe moments. These little snapshots into their lives. Because I will just read them over and over and over again. It's so good. Those are our fix for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can keep up to date with the podcast on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pitch Slapped Pod. And of course, we now have our Ko-Fi account if you wanted to give us any support and all of the proceeds for that are going straight into the podcast itself. I'll see you next time, pitches.